The Texarkana Moonlight Murders, also known as the Phantom Killer Case, is one of the most notorious unsolved murder cases in American history. The murders took place in 1946 in the border town of Texarkana, which straddles the state lines of Texas and Arkansas. It was a time of post-war prosperity and optimism in America. World War II had just ended, and people were eager to move on from the hardships of the war years. Texarkana was a small town with a population of around 30,000 at the time. The murders shocked and frightened residents who had previously felt safe in their tight-knit community. The killer's choice of victims, young couples parked in lovers' lanes, added to the terror by suggesting that no one was safe from attack. The fact that the killer was never caught only heightened public anxiety. Over the course of three months, the killer, a serial killer, attacked eight people, five of whom were killed under the cover of darkness, earning him his nickname, the Texarkana Moonlight Murderer, later to be known as the Phantom Killer. Despite an intense manhunt involving multiple law enforcement agencies and a number of suspects over the years, the identity of the killer has never been definitively determined. The case has since become a cultural phenomenon, inspiring books, movies, and documentaries that continue to captivate audiences nearly 75 years later. The brutality and randomness of the attacks sent shockwaves through the community, but is it really unsolved? Is it possible that they got their guy? There were several suspects in the Texarkana Moonlight Murders case, but none were ever definitively linked. Some of the most notable include a man named Yul Swinney, who was arrested for burglary shortly after the murders, a man named L.T. Griffith, who was identified as a suspect by some witnesses, but ultimately cleared by police, and a soldier named Charles Virgin, who was seen near one of the crime scenes and had a history of mental illness, but also lacked any concrete evidence linking him to the murders. Other suspects included an escaped convict named Joseph Carmine Spaziano and a veteran named Orville Majors, among others. This is Outline of a Murder, and this is the case of the Phantom Killer. <clears throat> okay, here we are, our final part one and part two episodes on the Phantom Killer. We'd like to do introductions, and then we'll do our tasting. Hi, this is Elena. I'm Mom. And I'm Sherry. This is Outline of a Murder. And uh, super excited. I wanted to give a shout-out to Lindy and Paige, who said they were going to have a girls' night and margaritas. So in their honor, uh, Sista made us a skinny <laughs> margarita. So obviously, Hello. need to get our little boomerang going, oh, yeah. too. I'll post. And it's Lindy and who? Paige. Paige. Oh. And thank you guys for yep. the toast. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Okay. No, I got it. Oh. You know, let me, let me do another one. Let me do another one. Okay. Okay, ready? Go. Okay. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Now Paige. I can take Lindy. Yes. yes. Mm. Not bad. Not I bad. I like it. Oh. Not bad at all. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's what I'm It's really about. good. <laughs> yeah, that's delicious. I like the other one better. Want mine? 
I'm no. Use it. No, it'll go in there. Well, what I have that I liked better? The ranch water. Ranch water. Um, I, Kevin's recipe. Of course, everything Kevin makes is just top notch. I thought ranch notch. water was in cans. Yeah, the ranch water there was are. delicious. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are. Okay, yeah. so what I want to do is pull up my notes because, all right, so on the Phantom Killer, that was a recommendation or a request mm-hmm. from Mom's Hubs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Which he was very excited when he found out you were doing it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And I've got some notes that I took from a killer. So let me, a killer, a book. <laughs> a killer. <laughs> I've never talked Okey to. dokie. Well, actually, I have talked to a killer once. Um, the Phantom Killer by James Presley. It's a fabulous book. I may have to re- refer back to it at times. Uh, so I'll just apologize in advance if there's a little bit of a pause. Uh, but I wanted to... Uh, research the case first, and then um, in my research, are you all right? Do you need the no, Heimlich? I'm fine, I guess. Okay. Oh, oh. don't ask her if she needs no, a Heimlich. No, because you won't do it. Because it'll be, because... Oh, are you? Go ahead, Sherry. Okay, we don't want to get into that. <gasps> no. We'll just move on. I could move on. Though. Anyway. You could have, because you were so damn stubborn. <laughs> wouldn't let us rescue you. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, we're moving on, moving There's on. No story. So I read the book because uh, the, you know, a lot of people say it's unsolved and it's like the oldest unsolved case that there is. The guy who wrote The Phantom Killer, James Presley, he actually grew up in Texarkana and his dad, if I'm not mistaken, was one of the newspaper guys. And back in the day that this crime took place, you could just walk all over crime scenes. I mean, oh, they yeah. didn't keep police or mm. the public out. They, the press could just walk all over the place. When was this? Sorry. Uh, it is, let's see, um, 1946. Uh, okay. Yeah. And also what was shocking is how adult the teenagers were. Sure. Like the times, it's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like we've discussed, the teenager idea was a marketing tool for rock and roll. A uh, teenager did not exist. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, previous to uh, Elvis and the Beatles and all that. So it was a marketing campaign to target the young people, and they just somehow the word teenager. Oh, that's cool. Well, and yeah, the, stuck. I guess the grouping. Yeah, because specifically. it was like you're an adolescent and then you were an adult. You yeah. were working with your parents or you got a job or whatever. Okay. So we've got some like young people in serious relationships. And um, so I just wanted to give you guys, you know, a heads up that's kind of shocking some of the stuff. Um, but I also was shocked to learn it was solved. Stephen thinks they knew the killer, but they charged him with something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll get into all yeah. of that. Because uh, so that's when, sort of what you think. Yes. And when I was reading the story, my favorite was instantly the guy that they connected but they there were a couple things like well no it couldn't have been him or this murder couldn't have been from the same guy i'm like no the mo is the same it doesn't matter if the weapon is different this Mm -hmm. is the same guy and uh, so there was still a little bit of controversy on that uh, but i do believe that they solved it and we'll get into the reasons why they didn't go public with it um which is kind of sad for the families because they never you know, like they had private conversations, but they never got the justice that they wanted. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, super excited. Um, it also 
inspired several movies. The uh, Town That Dreaded Sundown, which, by the way, that is more fiction than fact. But it's Stephen's favorite movie. And then The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween. Oh, really? (laughs) And Halloween. Halloween. Uh Uh-huh. It sparked Halloween. Well, that's nothing like that. I bet Stephen may not know that. He probably doesn't know that. Yeah, I had no idea. The hook that would be left in the car, that was an urban myth. Um, you know, of the, the hook that was left, you know, the, uh, lover lanes killer and stuff. So that was inspired. Hey, the hook, um, from the, uh, the B guy, what was that horror movie? Candy man. Oh, I wonder. Huh? It okay. might be. Go ahead. It might be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, um, it's an interesting case because Texarkana, Half of it is in Texas, half of it is in Arkansas. And, you know, that's that's an interesting thing. The the people that came to help, the, you know, detectives, all of that stuff. Oh. Uh, it's in Bowie County, um, and it's in the Arc Latex region, so Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas region. <laughs> that's a big region. <laughs> it's three hours from Dallas. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not a, far. Okay. It's a twin city. The population on the Texas side was 36,000 in 2020. And the city in its uh, Arkansas counterpart from the core of the Texarkana metropolitan uh, area, it has Miller County from Arkansas, Bowie County in Texas. Combined, there's a population of 65,000 in 2020. But if you include all of the area, it's 149,000. It's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It reminds me, like, I didn't know that Kansas City was, there was a Missouri and a Kansas till I was on the road with dad. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, why? I thought we were in Missouri. We were. <laughs> but we're in the same town. But we're in Kansas now. Yep. <laughs> it's so, strange how that works. Now, the year is 1946. World War II had just ended September 2nd of 1945. So, you know, a lot of the young guys were back from fighting and, you know, there were a lot of like shotgun weddings and, Mm -hmm. you know, just the whole dynamic there. Uh, Many of the the wives and children, they never saw dads again. They never saw uncles again. So you can imagine, and I like the, the feeling of loss, but also growing up really fast because, you know, the war. Mm -hmm. What's that buzzing? It's the The ice ice machine. machine. Let me go turn it off. If people would like to know my silence is I have a face. But can you hear the buzzing in the recording? See, I don't know. We'll find out. It didn't buzz yesterday. And then I guess I have a glare on my glasses. There. You can close it all the way. I don't care. No, because the light. There was a glare. Uh, now, the baby boomer generation was during this time, um, in, in past, but they were uh, teenagers, life seemed pretty innocent you know like people didn't lock their doors um people went to church on sundays moms were usually at home they were you know the homemakers prosperity was exploding across the country that generation really boomed um our prosperity here people dress better you know yes including the criminals which you'll right. see a photograph it was right. shocking but like any time you know time period you always have the dark side of town yeah and so in Texarkana, it was called Little Chicago. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. 
Um, Do you know why? mm -hmm. Okay. So it had a railroad hub that went right through. And I think that may have been what partly divided the town, if I'm not mistaken. But there was a railroad hub that brought a lot of performers. Mm -hmm. So they had um, famous politicians, performers, but also drifters. And the criminally inclined (laughs) Oh, what a term. I like it. Yeah. Just because of the, the railroad. And then also there was a lot of underage drinking because it wasn't monitored as well. So, you know, a lot of the teenagers would go to bars and no one would card them right. or check them. And bo- bootleggers yeah. in the 46? I would think so. Yeah. Um, there was still have them. Uh, one lady that I read an article okay. from, she was alive at the time uh, when the first murder happened. And she said that she would go to Lacey's drive-in and a tired car hop served a beer to her teenage brother and her. <laughs> yeah. And she was only 11. Mom, do you remember going to car hops yep. and having... Were you 11? having beer, but... When you had beer? No, but I they didn't served have beer. beer? No. I went car but, hops well, so of course they you. did food. Well, yeah. But not alcohol. That would not so were alcohol. you alive at that time? <laughs> no. Okay, that's... No. She was no. being sarcastic. Yeah, no. Okay. I no, to... I was for real asking. Oh, oh. I no, you were kidding. You went to car hops and they were they no, served beer. No, yeah. beer. Okay. Uh-uh. That your your time would probably be more grease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know when it stopped. Yeah. <laughs> also, they had <clears throat> ladies of the evening. Night stalkers. I can't believe you said that. Long I still laugh about that. Night walkers. You called them night walkers. Night I'm like, walkers. night walkers? And my husband like, knew, bam, walkers. exactly what I was talking. the evening. I thought, you you mean prostitutes? Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard <laughs> yeah, it called I mean, a night walker. Yeah, no, that would be like almost like a worm, you would think. <laughs> I was thought You know, like a that. night crawler. Yeah. You would think of like <laughs> a fishing. But no, it's night, night, ladies of the evening but was what she was trying to come up with. So I thought, okay. Sure. It Maybe did. it changed these terms. Okay, so one of the first, um, let me see if I can bring them up. Okay, this guy right here. I could not find the lady he was with. Uh, his name is Jimmy Hollis. He was 25 at the time. And his girlfriend, Mary uh, G- uh, Jean L- Laurie, I think is how you pronounce it, was 19. Look at the bow tie. And they were parked on a secluded road, February 22nd, mm. 1946. Oh. Yes. Mm. And it was known as Lover's Lane. So well, they like had three gone days. Uh, to a movie and there wasn't much to do in, you know, small towns. So they decided to seek out some privacy for talking and maybe a little bit of snuggling. You know, mm-hmm. you just don't know. A little nookie. <laughs> But at 11.55, a man wearing a white cloth mask with eye holes and a mouth hole uh, cut out approached their car, shining a flashlight in their eyes, blinding them. Mm-hmm. He ordered both of them out of the car. Hollis thought that he wanted to steal his car, and it wasn't the best vehicle. So he's like, I think you might have the wrong car. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, and I'll warn you when we get to the crime scene, I believe this is the car. So, you know, and I'll have these pictures online, but I think that is his car, but it may have been the second um, murder. And he's dressed so well. Yeah. That is so funny. Bow ties themselves. They want the clip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that was his, but I, I think it was the 
suspect, he told uh, Hollis, I don't want to kill you, fellow, so do what I say. Laurie, Mary Jean, she thought that he wanted to rob them, so she offered him Hollis's wallet. And uh, <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> like, here, don't kill us. Here's his money. Yeah. But the perpetrator, he wasn't interested in either of those things. He ordered Hollis to take his pants off and pistol whipped him so hard that Mary Jean thought that she that he had shot him. That's how oh, hard wow. he hit him. So Hollis was unconscious. He then hit Mary Jean and ordered her to run. So oh. what are you thinking about it so far? Like hunting. He's playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sadistic. Mm-hmm. So he would probably be a sexual sadist in the definition, except I don't think the sexual part was as important to him as the sadist part. But the pants off thing may be. The pants off is either that or it's so the man cannot fight him or run. Or humiliation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Humiliation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the car would be humiliating, but okay. <laughs> right. That pretty bad. <laughs> hey, you know, kudos to him. Mm-hmm. He got around. He then, so she takes off running and he started stomping Hollis's body. With his feet. Dang. Then he took off uh, after Mary Jean, who was running at the road, and she saw an old car parked off uh, to the side, but it was empty. I think it was oh, his. Oh, yep. Oh. So the attacker pursued her, caught up with her. He wanted to know why she ran. <laughs> and she's hmm. obviously like, well, you told me to. So he called her a liar and then knocked her out. He then sexually assaulted her with the barrel of his gun. Hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Uh, so she woke up later, and she fled on foot to a farmhouse, and people called. Hollis also woke up, and a passerby saw him and stopped to help. Hollis's pants were found 100 yards from the parked car. So I guess maybe after he got done assaulting Mary Jean, he then went and t- got his pants off of him and threw them. And, uh, and then... Uh, Hollis, he felt like the attacker was about six foot, a white guy, and um, Mary Jean thought that he was a light-skinned African-American. Okay. Well, um... Did they agree on the uh, height? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that really messed things up from Mm -hmm. the start, big time. And, And what's sad is that the police didn't buy that it was a stranger, which we'll get into, but it really did kick things off on the wrong, the wrong foot. So as far as the details of the attack so far, so definitely sadistic. What else are you picking up on? Just the games Mm -hmm. that he played. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like almost like a a predator playing with his prey. Yeah, to run and... For yeah. sure, but also that assault. That's um assault with the barrel of a gun. The very first one, supposedly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know, but I'm like, that's not only a very strange assault that I don't know that we've seen or heard. It's definitely rare mm-hmm. if they're out there, but it, for it to be your first potential kill and mm-hmm. assault, that's weird to for start me, off with. He must be impo- impotent. In that impotent. Thing. Impotent. Impotent, 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 impotent. Well, same thing, pretty much. Right. I have though heard of some men using instruments quite often. I mean, Ted Bundy did, BTK, mm-hmm. uh, and so for some of them, it's actually a moral 
thing. Like okay. if you look at BTK, he didn't want to be unfaithful to his wife, the poop bird. Gotcha. But he wanted to kill. And then for some of the new ones, they they will use an object because they're not quite ready for full-on rape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it could be either or. It could be that something he liked and... You know, that's what he did, or it could be he was new and he wasn't quite ready, or maybe he did have some moral compass as far as, you know, rape and things. I don't know. But murder's okay. Because he didn't murder them yet. Not yet. Okay. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense to be new. Mm -hmm. Just, okay. I've never. I've seen that. I remember Ted Bundy doing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Now, he. To me, he definitely gets off on fear and mm-hmm. torment, which uh-huh. that's where the sadist part comes from. The fact that he did assault her with a gun sexually tells me sexual sadist right off the bat is what I yeah. thought. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's going to have some uh, criminal background as well. So I, you know, I was waiting for that because you don't just go out and start killing people. There's got there's some type of fantasy life. There's some type of petty crime, peeping Tom, things like that somewhere yeah. in the past. In fact, that Brian Koberger um, that, you know, killed the Idaho uh, students. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm still waiting. There's a, there's a dang, um, what's it called where they can't talk about gag it? Order. Gag order, oh, which gag is order. frustrating <laughs> because right. even the family's like, that's a rare thing to do. Why are you doing that? Right. Um, but I am very curious if he had some petty criminal activity. I do know that he was addicted to heroin at some point. So there was definite drug use. I wonder if he was a little older, too. Ah, good question. Good question. Wait, okay. wait. Are we talking about him, heroin, or the dude from Idaho? The Brian Koberger. From oh, Idaho. okay. Gotcha. Which but rewires your brain. You do have alcohol abuse or drug abuse with these killers because yeah. it lowers their inhibition. Yeah. And gives them like liquid courage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a month later, uh, on March 23rd, Richard L. Griffin, 29, and his girlfriend Polly Ann Moore, 17. Well, hey, that's like well, you I'm and dad. Gonna, yeah, no, or you and Stephen. <laughs> Whatever. No, not Stephen. No, she no. was much younger. You're, my dad, yes, my dad, dad was quite young. Yes, and then my and dad would have been arrested. A cougar. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so just switched. Yeah. Well, it, your dad taught mom well. <laughs> yes. He set a good example. Uh huh. To. You know, it's like a, is it Munchausen well, syndrome or what's the syndrome where you're kidnapped I think so. and That's brainwashed and I wasn't brainwashed. That. So maybe, you know, you're like, Hey, well, you're at a very formable year in your Every, life. Everyone did that back then. Mm-hmm. Did they? 60s and 70s. Yep. But that much so. older. No, it was the same age. Like they were the same age typically. And we just can just keep the age. At, oh, okay. Well, the age is there. Yes. <laughs> Because Wait, what did she say? Because I was being quiet. Dad was twenty five. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I looked older. And mom was fifteen mm-hmm. or fourteen mm-hmm. when y'all met. Fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ah, uh, but she looked away when you said that. I'm gonna guess fourteen, but no, no one's ever said anything. Mm-hmm. Fifteen. If yes. anyone can corroborate that, please call in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would only be me. Okay. <laughs> well, we can do the math. I have all the paperwork. When they met, that was my question. 15.
<laughs> anyway, so we have Griffin, who was 29. Girlfriend was 17. Uh, they were Wow, found- 29. I'm sorry. I See, totally that wasn't that. like yeah. me and your dad or me and your dad. <laughs> so no, they- you and Steven. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Sorry. I could barely get that out. So they were found dead in Griffin Sedan on a secluded road, also known as the Lover's Lane. Mm. A passing motorist noticed the vehicle between 8.30 and 9 a.m., and he saw two people inside. And I wasn't able to find the the photos of that. Now, there's no crime scene photo, but I think this is the road. So look how secluded. He must have really hated women, though. Well, because Lover's Lane. Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. Lover's Lane is definitely becoming a or pattern. Because at this time yeah. they weren't, they were not connecting what was happening. Sure. So the the first crime where the victim survived, um, uh, Hollis and Mary Jean, they felt because they couldn't agree on the uh, ethnicity of the perpetrator that actually there was some estranged boyfriend so they felt that she was not sharing with them some boyfriend or something and they were embarrassed and the boyfriend attacked them and blah blah and they kept saying no in fact hollis told the police the guy is full of rage and he's going to kill next time and he was in the hospital a very long time his skull was cracked in two places and they tried to date afterwards, and they just couldn't stay oh, together because yeah. it reminded each other of that attack. Because sure. they as, were close. As time went on, too, um, it's been proven you can have 10 people at the same situation, and all of them can have a different... Yeah, eyewitness of the eyewitness. perpetrator's yeah. not accurate. It's not accurate. Yeah. Or cars or just anything. So this, yeah. like, what does the road tell you about the perpetrator? Because this is a secluded. That he's familiar. You have to know it. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has to be familiar mm-hmm. with this area. So he's definitely local, which fits in our theme. Right. right. Um, so definitely a local person. So when the, when the people were passing by the car, they thought that there were two people inside sleeping. Not mannequins. Not mannequins. Good. Maybe that came later. Yeah. And uh, when he approached the vehicle, he saw that they were both dead. The victims were last seen alive the night before with Griffin's sister and her boyfriend around 10 p.m. Okay. So with um, the second crime, I want to make sure I have everything. Yeah. I want to make sure I had everything correct. Okay. So police noticed that both victims were shot outside of the vehicle then they were placed back inside oh that's uh that's a lot of work sadistic a blanket with you know blood all over it um was outside so they figured that more had been killed on the blanket before she was put back inside the vehicle griffin was slumped on his knees between the front seat so i'm thinking they must have been bucket seats so, you know, back in the old you yeah. know, day, you could put a, a person between both of them. Yeah. But there were some variations in the description as well. I'm sorry, were they fully clothed, mm-hmm. both of them? So okay. his pants pockets were inside out. Oh. And then Moore was placed face down on the back seat. So she had been shot on the blanket outside, which is interesting because the blanket tells me that there was an attempt to make her comfortable before he shot her because if he if he didn't he could have just shot her out on the road so he he gets her on a blanket or he wanted to rape her but she wasn't raped right and then he shot her on the blanket or they were on the blanket 
No, they were not. They were not. Um, they were able to definitely. Okay. Uh, See, I go back to something with women. Well, and then, mm-hmm. um, okay, so she uh, was not raped, but she was on her period. So they wondered oh, if that's why she then. wasn't raped. Oh, yeah, I bet so. And she didn't even live there. It was really sad. Um, she lived from in a different town, and she was just there visiting. And her mom was really worried about her traveling by herself there. And Did then she, she know ended up this dead. gentleman? And I use the mm-hmm. word gentleman because mm-hmm. he's twenty nine years old. Yeah, twenty nine. Yeah, they were. Oh, and I do have a picture of. Let's see. I do have a picture of them. Um. Maybe just him. Yeah. Yeah. So there he is. He definitely looked 29. Perhaps older. And there she is. Mm -hmm. And she looks older to me. She does, for sure. Yeah. You know. So they did date or he was just Mm -hmm. bringing her? They did date. They were both actually divorced. Oh. Yeah. They were divorced. She had already been married. It was a... Probably got married at 15, mom. And it was silence, awkward. It was one of those, like, before I go to war, let's marry Dill. Sure. And then when he came back... You know, things just weren't working out. Yeah. And then I forget where he had met her. Um, but How he, old is she there? Uh, 19. Or no, 17, I think. Yeah. And then he uh, was 29. So he fell in love with her immediately. And from what I can remember in the book, she was very mature for her age. She looked And they older. just hit it off. Mm-hmm. As mom always says, we were mature back then. Yeah. Much more mature yeah. than they are now. It's and true, what was though. sad Agreed. is... Mm-hmm. Um, that Polly lived with a cousin in a different town. And again, she was there visiting. And so her mom didn't know she was missing. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. So she was face down in the back seat. A 32 cartridge shell was found. They thought it was fired from a cult. And then police, they now have two very similar attacks on their hands, but they're still not connecting the dots Mm-mm. because the narrative that they were giving the public is that the first was a jealous lover deal. And so this one, you know, they're just thinking a robbery because his pants pockets were inside out. Right. And uh, and then, you know, obviously they're going to, they're going to investigate it along those lines, not that they might have a serial killer. Yeah. They did post an award. Um, How much was it? Like I don't that? remember. I don't I'm remember. Curious. It was in the book. Okay, so this is every three weeks. So the first crime, then three weeks later, the second crime. We're now three weeks later for the third crime. I wonder if he's a salesman or something. He just comes to town every three weeks. So Betty Jo Booker, 15, and her Mm -hmm. friend Paul Martin, he was about 16 or 17. Um, They were murdered. Uh, They were the next two victims. Betty played the saxophone with the band, and she had performed at a VFW club that night. Oh my goodness. 15. Love it. No, yeah, 15. And so Martin had a crush on her. And he had moved to Kilgore, Texas. Mm -hmm. And then he traveled to see her because he'd been thinking about her because they grew up together. They went to school together. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to see if I can win her over. And how far was that? Kilgore? I'm not sure. Okay. It was, and his mom was worried about him traveling that far too. But back then, you know, cars. You know, they weren't as reliable, right. and, you know, I could see Took how moms be a little bit worried. Do you have um, a picture of them? Mm-hmm. Okay. But he had lived in Texarkana until he was 11, and so this had been about five to six years. 
They had known each other since kindergarten. It doesn't sound like they were dating yet. From what the book said and what my research told me, you know, like I said, he was definitely interested. He definitely wanted to date her, but I don't think they had anything going. Um, she was a junior at Texas High, and she was well-liked, made really good grades. She belonged to a sorority, and she liked to dance. The I'm sorry, it's 109 miles. Wow. So that was... Uh, a long way away. Yeah. Now, on this picture... He looks like a kid. Well, yes, he was. They, well, let me tell you real fast. They couldn't find a later picture of him because you know, they didn't take him oh, a lot back then. Gotcha. Oh, so, gotcha. Just so people know, in the when you look up this case... He looks like he's about 11 or 12 because he is. He looks that like also, the guy from Mad, Mad Magazine. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does. Yeah, he and does then look young. I think that was a, a later picture of her, which was okay. pretty close. But look how old she looks. Yes. Like the hairdos and stuff yeah. back then. They look definitely older. <laughs> but anyway, so that, just so people know, because when I first saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, is she a pedophile? <laughs> you but know. even how long, young he is. Look, he has a tie, a little suit on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, yeah, they, he definitely had a crush on her. Well, he was going to pick her up from the VFW that night, and then they were going to hang out with some friends, maybe go to a late movie. But she didn't get out of the um, VFW until after midnight. So witnesses said that Martin picked her up around 2 a.m. And they were near the railroad tracks by Spring Lake Park. And it was a popular cruising spot, a spot for local teens and it was also a lover's lane area. He had to live there. Yeah, so you've got sure. the, the two lover's lane. Now mm-hmm. you have the park, Third which was one. a lover's mm-hmm. lane. So I think the guy definitely knew the area mm-hmm. well. How many lover's lanes I don't does know. That this town little town, have. you know? And I, you probably pick your choice between Arkansas or Texas. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they, they really were just going to catch up, you know, cause he had just gotten into town and he had to go back the next day. So he's, you, you know, can he, do that in a parking lot. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> well, they were in a park though. And I remember being a teenager and going to the park and cruising and, you know, we'd feed the ducks and, yeah. you know, fun stuff. So now her mom though was concerned because Betty loved her saxophone. And, and first of all, I'm like, why are these people letting their teenagers stay out mm-hmm. till 2 a.m. and stuff? But again, it was a different time. But Betty always would stop in after a gig. She would drop her beloved saxophone off. And then she'd tell her mom, I mean, you know, do this or do that. And then her mom would tell her when to be home or she'd tell her mom when she'd be back and or how whatever. how old was she? 15. Mm-hmm. But again. It's sort of unusual for a parent. It's a small town. It's. But back in your day, did you do that? No, I had a curfew. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, it wouldn't have been two or three in the morning. Gotcha. So, um, okay. The mom got concerned because she did not come by to drop off her saxophone. Police were called and Martin's Ford Coupe was parked with the keys still in it. So they found it at the park. Um, but Martin's body was not found until 6.30 a.m., and it was lying by the northern edge of North Park Road a mile away from his car. Oh. He had been shot four times, through the nose, through the ribs, and then in his right hand, mm. and then through the back of his neck. So I'm going to show the Jeez. crime scene so it's progressing. photo of him. Well, surely they would connect it by now with just the gunshot. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear that's what you were saying. That's why I said saying. that. Yep. So that's him, 
and they thought he was sleeping at first. And then her body, um, I'm going to show that crime scene. And these pictures are on the website. Mm -hmm. She was found five hours later, two miles away in a wooded area lying behind a tree. Now look at the crime scene and tell me what you notice. Well, she's all tidy and staged mm-hmm. all pretty. She's staged. Yeah. Her hand is in her coat pocket. Mm-hmm. Both One her hands hand are. Is, oh, yeah. up there. And so she was. Looks like her legs are crossed. Maybe. Yeah. So it looks like she was posed for sure. Um, and uh, the fact that her hand is put in her pocket. So now we have a guy that we now know has attacked three couples on Lover's Lanes. He's posing the bodies. Taking time to do that. He is um, now... Mainly the women, though. But he posed a second man between the seats. Oh, yeah, that's true. Kneeling. That's weird. And and so, yeah, it's interesting. And what they also found is that the victims would have two shots. But this one had four. And when I read that, I immediately thought, okay, he must not have killed them with his first two. And so he shot him again. So he's he's double. He he doesn't shoot just one. Mm. And uh, and they're trying to figure out okay why. So again, she's found five and a half hours later. Why was she so far away from the the car? Did he make her run like he did the first victim? Right. So kind of wondering that. Probably um, not that far, unless he's pretty young. Well, three and a half. Um, Three and a half miles? Yeah, that's quite a, quite a distance yeah. to run. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. She had been shot as well uh, through the chest and once through the face. The same thirty-two Colt pistol was used in these murders, and they had both put up a fight. Um, they Good also found her saxophone six months later under some brush nearby and still in its case. Um, and it was at this point that everybody's like, okay, we got a serial killer, but they didn't have that term back then. Mm -hmm. That didn't come until what the eighties, I think with Ted Bundy. So they had, you know, they still didn't connect the first two, uh, to it. They still thought that that was, you know, a separate thing, but these two murders, the town went crazy. Wonder why they didn't. Cause they had bullets. Uh, well later they did, but They weren't killed. They thought it was a jealous lover. They didn't agree on the description of the perpetrator. Um, So the press dubbed him the phantom killer. Um, Some people call it the Tex Arcana Moonlight Murders. And because it always happened, um, they say, with a full moonlight. But actually, at the time of the crimes, there would have been very little light. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe is that why the three weeks? And, yes. Uh And he would have a flashlight. He would shine it in their eyes. To blind them. Mm-hmm. Okay. wonder if he wore the mask each time. I don't know. That's a good question. Probably. No witnesses to tell. That's but. a really good question. Yeah. Huh. Good one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. If anyone okay. knows. So then the final <laughs> attack happened at this location. And I do not have any more crime scene photos. Or okay. Those were the only two. Okay. So... There was dispute on whether this was a phantom killer attack. And this is the one where I I believe 100% it was a phantom killer attack. But the the MO was a little bit different, but not really. 
and the weapon was different. So this was on May 3rd, so three weeks, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, before 9 p.m. Virgil Starks, he was a farmer and a welder, and he had on his property his shop. So his shop was on the property and in the house. Mm-hmm. And in his shop, he had like his welding materials, his farming equipment, um, like his shirt that he would wear when he was welding. Yeah, you know, all of those things were out there, okay? And his um, back was bothering him. So he was in his uh, chair listening to the radio and reading his paper. And then um, Mrs. Starks, her name was Katie, she was already in the other room in bed uh, waiting for him, and she heard a noise. And from what she said later, she thought someone was out in his shop. And so she said, hey, you might want to go check it. And he had a heating pad on his back as well as he was reading. Well, then she heard a noise or she hears a noise when he didn't respond. She got up to go tell him, Hey, I, I heard something, you know, cause he may not have heard her. And she saw that he was dead. Wow. Step shot. Mm-hmm. He had been shot twice in the back of the head from the window. And she didn't hear that. She heard a noise, but she but didn't know his shots. shots. Um, and then the glass would have broken. And by the way, I saw the yeah. glass. It was a perfect cylinder, like a hole. Yeah. So this guy's a good shot. I was about to say. Yeah. Ex-military. Real good shot. I wonder why he picked a house, though. I wonder if it was someone he knew. Well, we'll get into that. Okay. Because um, that's a good question. I wanted to know, too. And I had a few ideas. So we'll we'll discuss it and see what you guys think. Um, so then... She runs to the phone to call the police, and she was shot twice in the face. One bullet passed through her nose, the other broke her jaw, and then it lunged under her ear, I think. She could hear the killer trying to get inside the house, and um, I think he might have actually already been inside when she saw him. So she um, took off running out of the house. It was pitch black. She ran across the field. Now, just think. She's so bloodied, according to the book, she could barely see. And it's pitch black. She's running across the field. That she's familiar with. Her sister's house Mm -hmm. was right across the street. She bangs on the door. This guy's coming after her. Yeah. And her sister didn't answer. So then she had to run to a neighbor's house. They get her in the car. They drive her to the hospital. She did survive the attack. Um, she later remarried, and she lived to be uh, 84. It's just interesting that the women have the most damage. Yes. And then what was interesting, here's another little tidbit. So two Arkansas state troopers, Max Tackett, who is my favorite, and Charlie Boyd, they had spotted a parked car. So, like, let me see if I can describe this and point this out so let's let's pretend that this is um the railroad tracks Mm -hmm. the crossings right here there's a car parked right by the railroad tracks the starks house is over here there's like a field the starks house is over here well there's a road that goes right across the railroad tracks like a t that um the police officers were driving down um because they had to deliver their expense reports to the uh to the headquarters before ten o'clock or they wouldn't get reimbursed. Oh. Okay. So they always regretted not stopping. 
because they believe it was the killer's car because they went right by the Starks' house. So, oh, boy. Yeah, they pass the car. They see it. They pass the Starks' house. They go on down. They deliver their expense reports. Yeah. And then they heard that there was another shooting, and they heard where it was, and they were very oh, upset with themselves. No. Trying to meet that deadline because yep. that's money out of their pocket. Yeah, and back then, you know, I know yeah, there was absolutely. a boom, but I doubt that police officers made tons of money. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they, uh, okay. So then a flashlight was found outside the window and, um, fingerprints, uh, when no fingerprints were found and they felt like the flashlight was probably left by the killer. But this time the weapon was a 22 caliber automatic rifle, not a 32 Colt pistol. So that's where everybody was like, oh, no, it was a different killer, blah, blah. The M.O. is similar. So you have a secluded area. You have a husband and wife at home. It's dark. You've got a very good shot. And what does he do? He's after the lady. What I feel is the two shots were to get rid of the husband and get her out of the bedroom. I feel that he was stalking, that he was watching her. They did find footprints from the car that went straight to the Starks' house. They also found some cigarettes that were smoked by my prime suspect uh, next to the vehicle. And so the difference in the guns did not bother me because at this point, it's a media frenzy, right? The guy knows, everybody knows he has a thirty-two Colt. So you need to get rid of the weapon and get something different. Also, um, no one was going to Lover's Lanes. Everybody quit going to Lover's Lanes. The only people that were at Lover's Lanes were cops. So he had to switch his M.O. if he was going to keep killing. But what are are y'all's thoughts? I don't know. I'd have to hear more about I think he's sort of different in a way. The gun and Lover's yeah. Lane. There's always going to be someone that's going to go. Mm-mm. I mean, and, and no, they may not no listen one went. to the news. They're young. You no, know? no one was. No, this was citywide, both sides. Mm. From the book, no one was going to Lover's Lane except for vigil- vigilantes, which we'll get to. Mm. But no, it was hot. There was no way he was going to be able to get away with it. Mm. I promise you. And They're we'll get into to those a details. house. But and he know. wasn't wearing a the um, yeah the mask. I don't know. It doesn't say if he was well, she, wearing the mask. Well, she should have. Did she said, identify? I yeah. I don't know if she uh, no she did not identify him. Um, but she wouldn't have been able to anyway because her, she couldn't hardly see because of the blood and the pain. And um, so yeah, she was blindly Outside running out house. of her house. Yeah, but she mm-hmm. knew he was coming because she could hear him. Mm. Too many differences, in my opinion. Okay. Well, we'll yeah, get to the okay. Now. We'll get yeah. to the proof. Okay. Um, but I, I was curious, so I could see how both. But to me, it was similar in that it was couples. It was dark. It was three weeks later. It, you know, the whole the car sitting on a you know a solitary road waiting for victims, or maybe saw the house. So thing, it, to me, it sounds similar enough where I think it was probably the same person. And there is some things we can get into in the okay. part two. As you were describing um, 
the scene though, my thought was is the previous are going to be in the newspaper. So you have a, um, a different killer like kind of taking advantage of that three week mark. They did wonder if there were copycats, uh, and some did suggest that, um, okay. But again, I've got some, okay. I got some stuff. Okay. So you guys are of the opinion it might be someone different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Some said that there were a few bloody footprints near Stark's body mm-hmm. and they thought maybe the killer, you know, walked around to look at his handiwork, but I don't think so because, um, there were so many police and press that walked around the crime scene that by the time the main detectives got there, they were furious mm. because they run the crime scene. No one knew whose footprints it belonged to. Uh, and it's like, well, now we don't have any evidence. We don't have yeah. any way, but they also saw footprints go to the shop. Oh nice. yeah. So it went from the shop. So from the car to the shop, to the house. That's interesting. He so he was shop. rummaging around in the in the shop. Did uh, Virgil have a gun? Yeah, <laughs> I would say one. I don't know. Gun. Okay, I don't know. That's a good question. I also feel that he got startled because he dropped his flashlight and left it alone. Uh, you know, or okay. left it at the crime scene. So, because okay. he, he's been very methodical, and there's been no traces of his crime except for uh, bullet cartridges. So again. Potential different one, or they start getting sloppy and messy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sherry is quite proud. Yes. 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 <laughs> That's what we're seeing here. <laughs> now, the absence of a motive as well, because when they investigated this crime, they could find no enemies of Starks at all. They were well known. Everybody loved them. There wasn't really motives on any of them, though, yet. And so at first, right, so they mm-hmm. believed that it was the Phantom Killer. But late, that changed in 1948. They started thinking maybe it was two separate things. And people to this day think it is. But like I said, I don't. Um, they also thought the victimology was different because you've got like teenagers, young adults that were killed in the first ones. This is a couple where Virgil was 37, his wife was 36. So they're like, okay, that's a little bit different victimology. Um, but detectives did notice several things. He attacked on weekends every three weeks. Which makes sense if your target's lover mm-hmm. lane yeah. teenagers, yeah. Yeah. couples. He always attacked couples. He used the same gun. He wore a white cloth mask. And he did seem sexually motivated. Um, mm-hmm. But other than the sexual assault of the first victim, there wasn't any evidence of rape or sexual assault of the other victims. Well, one was on her period. Right, though. right. You know, if it was the same, it was probably someone he knew and didn't like. But the other thing with sexual sadists is a lot of times having sex with their victims is not it. Their weapon is their instrument. Mm -hmm. So like with Son of Sam, the gun was his sexual sadist tool. Um, There was another one where the knife was. Like they didn't care about raping or anything like that. But the sexual charge came from the Oh, gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, A psychologist at the Federal Correctional Institute in Texarkana, Dr. Anthony LaPaula, said in a 1946 interview that he felt the killer was a white man between the age of 30 to 50, quote, motivated by a strong sex drive and a sadist at the same time being a cunning planner and a clever, intelligent, shrewd, and dangerous individual of the type that often remains not apprehended. Okay. 
Also, according to the doctor, and pretty usual at the time, and in that part of the country, the good doctor didn't think the man was black because, and I apologize beforehand, I am quoting, in general, Negro criminals are not that clever. Again, I quote. Mm-hmm. And that's how they And obviously a not, bigoted yeah, statement, it's a bigoted. not to give criminals props, but that yeah. has nothing to do yeah. with it. So, but I just wanted to quote and warn people. Okay. Now, so that was the last crime. Okay. There, there was one more that might've been, which I investigated and we'll get into in part two, but, um, what are your thoughts so far? Anything to add? Anything to add? So no, I have nothing to add. But no, I'm eager to see that last one. How you're tying and thoughts to that? Yeah. And who wrote the book? Uh, James Presley, I believe. Now, why is his more? Because he had all his dad's um, research, the stuff. Because he was a reporter. That might be a good book for Stephen. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now the panic. Okay, so women. If their husbands were out of town, they would stay at this hotel called Hotel Grimm. What a name. <laughs> Maybe um, there's a street Grimm. And it was located downtown. Right. So if they went out of town, they put themselves in that hotel and they slept with the doors barricaded and no windows open. Oh, my word. Others rigged what's called a Rube Goldberg security system. And I think I have <laughs> a snapshot. So this is a lady. Um, so she's got a blanket that was nailed over the glass door next to a table that was teetered on an ashtray, which would fall over if the door was open. Cause some people couldn't Jeez. afford to stay in a hotel. And then when the table teetered, it would also spill loose nails onto p- tin trays. <laughs> Pots would smash against the vases on the floor, which would wake up Mr. and Mrs. Rochelle who kept a rifle next to their bed. So she looks a little older though. They all did back then. Well, but she definitely she does. does. But this yeah. this tells you how, like this, the headline, Texarkana Terror, Southern City is Panned by Killer Who Shoots According to Schedule. And, of course, the press went nuts. They mm. caused a lot of problems. They were publishing a lot of crap that wasn't real. And it was causing the police to have to waste their time. So, so it's not new. You know, like no, the fake news new. back then, they were just as fake. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, they, they were trying to make it where they would be alerted. Uh, people bought guns and then, um, they had them on both sides of the bed, the wife and the husband. And then also the children would sleep in their room on pallets because they blankets, you know, not pallets like wood pallets. Um, but they would sleep with them in their room because it was such a terrible time, especially after the Starks murder. They're like, you're not safe anywhere. Yeah. So that's that's part one. So what we'll do is we'll pause and refresh and then we'll dive into part Part two. two. Outline of a murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? (laughs) 